0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, with another readout video from our free Wednesday wake-up email newsletter, another warm welcome to our more than 5,000 new video subscribers in the last month, another hat tip to all of you buying our merch, and another reminder, please to support our work if you don't already, because we bring you things like the nightmare hurricane that wasn't in California. Yes, folks, the media were all over Hurricane Hillary. It was gonna be apocalyptic, climate breakdown-proving action for sure. NBC hyperventilated, quote, Hurricane Hillary could bring record rainfall to parts of the southwest, end quote, followed by, quote, forecasters warn of catastrophic flooding as Hurricane Hillary churns toward California, end quote. Alas, that hype gave way to, quote, storm speeds up as Southern California residents prepare for catastrophic flooding, end quote, just as the storm slowed down, weakened to a Category 1, and from there, the alarmism just kept washing away. NBC tried to sustain the mood with, quote, California officials warn worst of the storm has yet to come as Hillary makes landfall. Forecasters warn of life-threatening flooding as the storm begins to bring rain to the southwestern U.S., end quote. Followed by, quote, Earthquake rattles Southern California as Hillary makes landfall. Hillary, now a tropical storm, slams Southern California with drenching rain and the chance of life-threatening flooding, end quote. Please, guys? Huh? Huh? Can we? Next came, quote, historic rainfall slams LA, end quote, before the anticlimactic, or anticlimactic, quote, tropical storm Hillary has now entered the history books as the first to hit Southern California in 84 years, end quote. Which would have some people wondering, with all this talk of hurricanes a-blowing and rivers overflowing, why it's the first one since 1939, and what caused that one? Was it the Model T? They might also ask, well, why wasn't it a hurricane when it hit? Isn't climate breakdown making them frighteningly routine? Also, the story said that the National Weather Service, quote, official weather station for L.A. at the University of Southern California measured 1.53 inches of rain, breaking a record that was set in 1906, end quote. So, there was rain back then, too, and this one wasn't a record, it was just a record recently. And what about pre-1906? If it rained harder back then, and historical accounts certainly suggest that it did, what's this nonsense about a record? What about the record flooding of 1822? Or the floods in 1850 that turned the Sacramento Valley into an inland sea and Sacramento into a second Venice? Did the journalist forget to Google? As for all that death, Heatmap Daily conceded on August 21st that, quote, it sounds like Los Angeles may have made it through the brunt of the storm with only minor damage, end quote. What a ripoff. As for the predicted heaps of corpses deposited by the raging climate breakdown floodwaters, uh, the New York Times ended up saying, quote, after bracing for the worst, the uh, state has so far recorded no deaths from tropical storm, Hillary officials said, end quote. In the newsletter, we also note that when Statista emailed us to ask which plant milk is the most sustainable, our response was, who cares, on several grounds, including that meme about an angel trying to explain to God that humans are making milk from nuts after he gave them all these different animals. But the piece that we were invited to ingest started. It "It comes as no surprise that among milk options, cow's milk is the least sustainable in terms of the carbon dioxide emissions and water consumption associated with its production. No surprise? Cow's milk has proven remarkably sustainable, at least in the sense that production has been sustained and increased since the invention of farming for one reason above all others. Cows are the best at making milk for people, all things considered you get the best nutritional package from the least amount of feed, labor, and other inputs. But, in keeping with G.K. Chesterton's jibe that, quote, when the Puritans say they are Democrats, they mean that they really have a universal desire to prevent ordinary people from doing ordinary things, end quote, what really comes as no surprise to us is finding that alarmist progressives would now turn on our favorite and best kind of milk, having attacked every other good thing in our lives. And now, I'm going to interrupt myself briefly to ask you please to help support our work. Because here at the Climate Discussion Nexus, we don't get lavish government grants. We don't get big foundation money. And contrary to what our critics say, we're not in the pocket of the Koch brothers. We're dependent on our viewers and our readers to make a pledge. One time a monthly, big or small, just click here, a cup of coffee a month. That's what it takes to help us keep producing these videos and our newsletter and pushing back against the climate alarmist steamroller. And now, back to me. In the newsletter, we also pointed out that after the New York Times declared the climate-driven, quote, end of the summer vacation as we know it, end quote, Air Canada's frequent flyer AeroPlan urged us to, quote, hurry to the heat while two is still here, end quote, and even accompanied it with a picture of an attractive young surfer whose day in tropical paradise apparently won't be complete until I step off the airplane. Despite which, National Geographic warns that, quote, as climate change brings more extreme heat, air conditioning use is going to skyrocket, baking the planet even more, end quote. Not just baking it, baking it even more. What are we, refried beans? Actually, to quibble, it takes a temperature of at least 140 degrees Celsius to trigger the Maillard reaction. Meanwhile, an alert viewer notes of the dreaded heat dome that, quote, they used to call it a high-pressure system, Felt so much cooler back then, end quote. Now at CDN, we try to be fair-minded, so we're giving credit where due. Greta Thunbury cancelled an appearance at the Edinburgh International Book Festival for something called, quote, Greta Thunbury, it's not too late to change the world, end quote, because she accused the festival's main sponsor, that's investment managing firm Bailey Gifford, of greenwashing. And we really sincerely do admire her for being consistent and principled. In fact, we wish all climate alarmists were like that because then they'd never use anything powered by or made from petrochemicals, and we'd never hear from any of them again about vacuous change or anything else. Mind you, when a Finnish university awards the Swedish Skölden honorary degree in theology, we can only say, hey, it wasn't us that said the climate cult had become a religion, and then add that it would have been even sillier to give her one in science and then returning to our theme of apocalyptic rhetoric and misleading weather maps a particularly comic example of seeing what you expect to see on climate regardless of what the world keeps trying to show you came again from britain's gb news courtesy of another alert reader but an August 1st story shrieked that, quote, UK weather forecast, scorching Azores plume to trigger 32C heat wave in Britain as maps turn red, end quote. Unlike, say, Britain's. Except the zealotry turned out to be premature. By August 3rd, they dialed it back to, quote, UK weather forecast, scorching Azores plume to trigger 28 degrees Celsius heat wave in Britain as maps turn red, end quote. By August 7th, it was, quote, UK weather forecast, exact date heatwave to bake Britain as scorching African plume hits, end quote, with, brace yourself, quote, highs of 26 degrees Celsius expected in some southern areas, end quote, while it might possibly reach 30 in London and a few other spots. Another week of that, and the scorching plume would have brought snow, but the maps would still have turned red and in fact britain was having such a cool summer that stoke on trent live went heatstroke on trent live with a ludicrous headline quote scorching 25 degrees celsius sun to bake stoke on trent this week as summer washout finally ends end quote before throwing in the towel by showing a pretty girl sunbathing with the comment quote the best of sunshine will most likely be found in central and eastern parts of the country Unfortunately, for those in the west and southwestern areas of the country, conditions are expected to be cloudier and wet, quote. See, 25 degrees Celsius is nice. It is not scorching. In the newsletter, we also note a curious thing about climate alarmism, namely how uncurious the people who are forever banging on about the science are about the science. For instance, on this critical claim that the recent rise in atmospheric CO2 is driven by human emissions. And this claim is actually odd, because, to answer a question from another alert viewer, even the most dyed in the Kool-Aid alarmist concedes that humans only contribute less than 4% of the total annual emissions into the vast, complex, and overwhelmingly natural carbon cycle. So why isn't natural CO2 blamed for the increase? Well, to quote the bellicose, skeptical science site, quote, Natural land and ocean carbon remains roughly in balance and have done for so for a long time. But consider what happens when more CO2 is released from outside of the natural carbon cycle by burning fossil fuels. The land and ocean cannot absorb all of the extra CO2. About 60% of this additional CO2 is absorbed. The rest remains in the atmosphere, end quote. Oh, really? All of natural carbon dioxide is naturally absorbed, but 40% of our artificial stuff isn't? Surely this raises the question in a skeptical mind, how does nature know the difference? Aren't they even slightly curious about that? Now we know there's a strong tendency for those who subscribe to what Thomas Sowell called the unconstrained vision, to mistake their wishes for practical policies. As when we hear things like, that clean energy future is arriving faster than you think, end quote. That's from the New York Times, hat tip to the Manhattan contrarian. Or there's the head of Climate Action Network Canada tweeting about the Canadian government's amorphous plan to end all fossil fuel subsidies except the good ones without any plan for telling which is which. And this tweet boasted, quote, today's announcement is the result of tireless work by at can can members and allows us to start imagining the Canadian government as accelerating the energy transition rather than slowing it down, end quote yeah and you better imagine it because in the real world it's not happening and they have no idea how to make it happen in the newsletter we also continue to honor the scientific work of Alamonti et al 2022 that's the paper that was too honest for the climate censors who prompted the journal to retract it on the grounds that although it was true the implications of it might cause people to commit thought crime and this week we look at what they said about tornadoes According to the authors, quote, a tornado is a vortex extending upward from very near the surface, at least as far as cloud base, with cloud base associated with deep, moist convection, typically a cumulonimbus cloud, that is intense enough at the surface to do damage. Laypeople call it that thing that took Dorothy to Oz, because the US gets lots of them, and it always has, which is one of the reasons it has the best long-term database. Now, to be sure, that database does show an apparent upward trend. But here's the catch. Prior to the installation of Doppler radar and the advent of smartphones with everyone wanting selfies with a funnel cloud in the background, most small tornadoes were never reported, so they were never counted. But now they are, and thus an increase in spotting them looks like an increase in them hitting us, as is made plain by the fact that strong tornadoes, the ones that almost always did get noticed, are declining. This week we also started a new series summarizing a major 2020 study by Bjorn Lomborg looking at likely trends over the 21st century and the likely impact of policies like the Paris Accord to see whether these policies will make us better off or not. And yes, it sometimes takes us a while to get around to these things, so please get around to sending us money so we can hire more staff. Meanwhile. Blomberg actually thinks, quote, climate change is real and its impacts are mostly negative, end quote, but he adds that, quote, common portrayals of devastation are unfounded, end quote. So, we can't describe him as an alarmist, nor can his critics dismiss him as a denier. Uh, Well, actually, they can and they do, but it's even more unreasonable because his study draws entirely on data from mainstream alarmist groups like the IPCC, the UN, and national governments. And that should make it even harder to ignore his findings. But the problem is, they don't like his findings. Because his bottom line conclusion is that climate change will likely reduce global income by about 4% from where it would otherwise have been, but that climate policies that try to prevent it would reduce it by a lot more. He calculates that every dollar spent meeting Paris Treaty commitments will only generate about 11 cents in benefits. So it's a wretched investment. And finally, what could be more Canadian than maple syrup? So, from the CO2Science.org archive, we present a study of the impact of CO2 on quote, leaf net photosynthesis during the end of the growing season, end quote, in sugar maples. And okay, the authors worked on three-year-old Asser Saccharum in Massachusetts, New England, which apparently claims that it's a big spot for maple syrup. But putting all that chauvinism aside, the point is more CO2 didn't make the leaves fall sooner. Which might seem like a strange thing to even investigate until you learn that alarmists had been claiming it as another potential negative impact of giving plants more plant food. Sorry guys, not even that. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I know it rains in California and that Canada has the best maple syrup, eh?